Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. It's time for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. More than 80% of the state is suffering from drought. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. A Texas A&M AgriLife economist is reminding Texas High Plains farmers and livestock producers there's a lot going on with government programs right now. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Monitoring corn rootworm. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with news headlines. 81% of Texas is now suffering from moderate or worse drought. That's up 49% from three months ago. Drought conditions in some areas are easing up. Storms on December 30th and 31st dropped an inch or more of rainfall in parts of central and east Texas. Improvements in those areas will likely be noted on the next drought report. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service will host a Far West Texas Pasture Management Virtual Seminar from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. January 27th. Speakers will give a general range and pasture herbicide update and will discuss management of brush and other herbaceous plants. Cost is $15. A link to register is available on today.agrilife.org. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has allocated $5 million to several projects in Texas as part of its effort to strengthen the nation's infrastructure for pest detection and surveillance, identification and threat mitigation, and to safeguard the U.S. nursery production system. USDA Undersecretary Greg Eibach said the projects will help Texas protect its resources and keep the agricultural economy strong. The projects cover a range of plant health and pest mitigation activities in Texas. Nationwide, USDA has allocated $70 million for 383 projects in 49 states, the District of Columbia, Guam, and Puerto Rico. USDA's Risk Management Agency is extending crop insurance flexibilities for producers amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Specifically, relief provided for electronic notifications and signatures is extended through July 15th. Organic certification, replant self-certification, and assignment of indemnity are extended through June 30th. RMA is also allowing approved insurance providers further flexibilities. Details are available on RMA's website. Registration is open for the American Farm Bureau Federation's first-ever virtual convention. The free event will be held January 10th through the 13th online. Register on fb.org. Click on the Events tab. That is fb.org. 
For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. A familiar face is scheduled to return to the top spot at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Tom Vilsack is the new choice to head the agency after Vilsack spent eight years there under former President Barack Obama. Ethan Lane is the vice president of government affairs with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. He says it's great to have Vilsack returning to the USDA. He has been to the show. He knows how this agency works. He's going to be able to move in on day one and really go to work without a ramp up period. We have a relationship with him. Everyone else in agriculture has a relationship with him already. That's probably good news. That means that we're not going to have to relitigate some of these old issues. Hopefully we can move forward. He can pick right up with some of the ongoing conversations we've all been having in agriculture and go right to work. So we're excited to have him back in the helm and excited to get started and see what this administration wants to focus on. Lane says Vilsack also knows what won't work for the beef industry based on his eight years of experience at the Ag Department. USDA's twice-a-year cattle inventory report is coming out later this month, and that could set the stage for a successful year in 2021. Dr. Daryl Peel is a livestock market economist with Oklahoma State University. He talked about his expectations for what we'll see in the report. You know, I think we're going to come in being down a half to maybe 1%. I think some of my colleagues are feeling that we've liquidated a bit more. I'm probably not quite as strong in that camp. I do think we're liquidating, I'm going to call it relatively slowly. I don't think it's a pronounced cyclical liquidation, but I think we are drifting lower a little bit in these numbers based on what we see for beef cow slaughter through the year, as well as the heifer numbers and the heifer slaughter. And so I think we're just, again, slowly getting those numbers a little bit tighter through 2020, and that's what we'll be working with going through 2021. Oklahoma State's Daryl Peel. A Texas A&M AgriLife economist is reminding farmers and livestock producers there's a lot going on with government programs right now. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. As we talked about yesterday, Texas A&M AgriLife's projections for 2021 commodity prices indicate Texas High Plains ag producers have the opportunity to make some money this year. But the chances of making a profit can always be enhanced by good risk management, including utilizing USDA programs. AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez says one thing for farmers to be thinking about, which program to go with, price loss coverage or agriculture risk coverage. 2021 is going to be our first year of annual ARC and PLC elections. So signups are happening right now. It's time to consider what you think is going to be the best program for your operation. Preliminary evaluations of our area and of our situation show that PLC is going to be best for all crops, but definitely worth evaluating that on your own. And if you'd like some help, Dr. Benavidez says there's an ARC PLC decision aid on the website for the Agricultural and Food Policy Center at Texas A&M. Now for area ranchers, January 31st is your sign-up deadline for the Livestock Forage Program, which covers drought-related losses. Essentially, you'll be paid on a per-head basis based on the payment rate and number of lost months of grazing per animal. But visit with your FSA office about LFP because it's free money and some preliminary calculations I've done. It's not going to make you whole, but it might pay for you to have an additional round bale per cow. it isn't everything you need, but it might help you get through another month or another two weeks or something like that. Dr. Benavidez also advises producers to explore what might be available through the next round of coronavirus food assistance program payments. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Corn rootworm can cause problems for Texas corn farmers. Tom Nicoletti has more. 
My guest today is Jody Gander. He is with Bear and he is North America Technology Development Manager for Corn Traits. He joins us from the St. Louis area and Jody, uh, a lot of corn grown in your area of the country, but also uh, here in Texas. What are you folks uh, doing from the standpoint of corn development and corn rootworm monitoring for corn farmers? Well, thank you, Tom. Uh, pleasure to be here today. So uh, one of the things that we're working on is uh, we're, we're trying to make growers aware of corn rootworm. Uh, corn rootworm can be a devastating pest, but uh, the last couple of years in a lot of areas, we really haven't seen much corn rootworm pressure. And as you well know, lots of times when you don't see pressure of, from an insect for a couple of years, people kind of lose sight of it and think that, well, they're all gone or it went away. But that's one of the things we're trying to highlight with corn rootworm is that it hasn't went away. And in a large part of the area of the United States, particularly the upper Midwest, uh, we saw a lot of corn rootworm pressure this year. We developed a program. The program is called The Watch. And it's centered around primarily trying to raise grower awareness about corn rootworm. When we think about corn rootworm, it's been estimated that uh, between the cost of control measures, but also lost yield, corn rootworm can cost up to a billion dollars each year. And that's one of the reasons why it's called the billion dollar bug. So we're trying to advocate for people to keep corn rootworm in top of mind and to use a number of different strategies involving biotech products, as well as some traditional soil applied insecticides as well as crop rotation and scouting, really trying to take a multifaceted approach when managing corn rootworm. Jody, how severe is corn rootworm here in Texas? So in Texas, uh, we typically don't see as much corn rootworm as we do in the upper Midwest, but it can still be a problem in, in some areas. I know when talking with some of my colleagues in Texas that work in tech development, the same group that I do, they do have issues with corn rootworm in various fields. So it's still something that it may not be a problem every year, but growers still need to be aware of it as a pest and also to uh, take different measures to try to prevent it from becoming more of a problem and seeing some of these devastating effects that they can see. Any updates on new products coming along for 2021? For 2021, if we look at biotech corn products for control of corn rootworm, our primary product is SmartStacks technology. SmartStacks technology has two proteins for below ground insect control. Those two proteins are active against both northern Western, as well as Mexican corn rootworm. Both of those proteins provide control uh, of those below ground pests. And there are also proteins above ground to help control above ground pests as well. That is Jody Gander with Bayer. He is a North America Technology Development Manager for Corn Traits. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Anglers and hunters can help Texas Parks and Wildlife Department biologists manage fish and game populations by using a smartphone app. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And fall calving beef cows usually enter calving season in good condition, but spring calving cows have to make it through the winter. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Fall calving beef cows usually have it easy. They enter calving season in good condition coming out of the summer. But the spring calving cows have to make it through the winter before they calve. And that is always a challenge. Dr. Bob Judd has more. Fall calving cows coming off summer pasture are usually in good body condition for calving and then rebreeding in the fall. However, spring calving cows must survive the winter with little nutritious pasture. Dr. Glenn Selk indicates at Drovers.com that body score at calving is the single most important trait determining when a cow resumes heat cycles and therefore when she is likely to be rebred. For this reason, it is important to avoid condition loss over the winter prior to calving and between calving and rebreeding. Oklahoma State published a two-year study showing the impact of losing body condition in the period from calving to the start of the breeding season. The study involved 75 spring calving cows in one year and 70 in the next year, and half of the cows were allowed to lose body weight during the breeding season from February to April, while the other half were fed to maintain their weight. Cows were exposed to fertile bulls for 90 days, and pregnancy rate was 94% in the good body condition cows, while those that lost weight of at least one condition score had only a 73% pregnancy rate. So it is important to prevent weight loss in these cows prior to breeding. And if you have underweight cows in the herd, increasing nutrition may increase your pregnancy rate. The nutrient requirement tables for beef cattle indicate that an 1,100 pound cow would need 2.5 pounds of crude protein per day. And they will normally get one pound per day from good grass or hay. Therefore, we'll need 1.5 pounds of protein per day from a supplement. The actual amount of supplement depends on the protein concentration of the supplement. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Anglers and hunters can help Texas Parks and Wildlife Department biologists manage fish and game population using a smartphone app. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. If you plan on hunting or fishing this year, consider downloading the My Texas Hunt Harvest app now. The smartphone and tablet application allows hunters and anglers to report their catch and bag and important details about their location and size to be used by Texas Parks and Wildlife Department biologists to manage fish and game populations across the state. The app is also used to satisfy mandatory reporting requirements for eastern turkey, antlerless white-tailed deer, and alligator gar. Jason Harden, Wild Turkey Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with more. The great thing is, is it helps you track your harvest. You can put photos on there and really get a good idea of, of what you've taken over the last few years and start using that as kind of a, a harvest log. Hunters and anglers are still required to tag their bag whether or not they enter the data into the app. You must also fill out the harvest log if required. In addition to allowing hunters and anglers to save photos and details of their bag, the app also allows users to share the information on social media sites like Twitter and Facebook. You can also use the app to save your TPWD customer number for future reference. 
The app is available in both English and Spanish. You can download it on the Apple and Android devices or access it online. In your phone or tablet's app store, simply search My Texas Hunt Harvest. On the TPWD website, click on the tab that says Hunting and then click on Report Hunt Harvest. That website is tpwd.texas.gov. Again, click on Hunting and then Report Hunt Harvest. That's tpwd.texas.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market bounced back after the big losses we saw on Monday. Meanwhile, cotton tops 80 cents. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a nice bounce back in the cattle market on Tuesday, recovering from the steep losses we had on Monday. Now, we didn't bounce back strong enough to recover all of those losses, but we did get a good chunk of them back. February live cattle up 275, 115.05, the April up 285. 11910 June live cattle up 210 closing at 11467 feeder cattle higher January up a dollar 72 13667 March feeders up a dollar 40 13742 the April up a dollar 32 at 13937 Cash fed cattle market still quiet on Tuesday. We do see some asking prices from the feedlots here in the south at 114. No bids reported yet from the packers. No asking prices yet up north. Boxed beef prices lower Tuesday, the choice dropping 384 at 20603. Select down 77 cents, 19576. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. Auction barns kicking back up after a two-week break for the holidays. Nixon Livestock Commission, Nixon, Texas, selling 761 head this week. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, a dollar thirty-eight to a dollar seventy-eight a pound. Three to four weights, a dollar forty-two to a dollar ninety-five. Four to five hundred pound steers, a dollar twenty-nine to a dollar ninety a pound. Five to six weight steers, a dollar fifteen to a dollar sixty-eight. Six to seven hundred pounders, a dollar five to a dollar forty-five. With seven to eight weight steers bringing ninety-nine cents to a dollar twenty-one a pound. Slaughter cows, nineteen to fifty-seven cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty-five to eighty-eight. Cow-calf pairs brought five sixty to one thousand thirty a pair. Live Oak Livestock Auction, Three Rivers, Texas, selling four hundred forty-one head this week. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, a dollar thirty-two to a dollar seventy-eight. Three to four weights, a dollar twenty-eight to a dollar seventy. Four to five hundred pounders, a dollar sixteen to a dollar sixty-two. 
Five to six weight steers, a dollar twelve to a dollar fifty-two. Six to seven hundred pounders, a dollar eight to a dollar twenty-eight. And the seven to eight weight steers, ninety-two to a dollar twenty-four pound. Slaughter cows, twenty-four to fifty-four cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty-two to seventy-eight. Stocker cows, five hundred to ten seventy-five ahead. Cow calf pairs, eight twenty-five to twelve twenty-five a pair. Back over to the futures market now. Lead hogs closed mixed on Tuesday, February down thirty cents at seventy ninety-two. April hogs up forty-seven at seventy-four ten. Class three milk was higher. January up seventy-five cents, sixteen seventeen a hundredweight. February milk up seventy-five at seventeen eighty-seven a hundred. The cotton market just keeps climbing. We broke above and closed above 80 cents in our nearby contracts on Tuesday. Triple-digit gains in most of our contracts. A lower U.S. dollar, stronger demand, sharply higher grain prices, all combining to help boost the cotton market higher. We closed with March cotton up 138 points, 80.35. May cotton up 132 points at 81.01. December cotton up 70, closing at 76.11 cents a pound. And as we mentioned, the grain markets continuing to climb, closing sharply higher. Soybeans, corn, wheat all finishing strongly in positive territory. The weaker dollar, stronger demand, and tighter stocks combining to continue to boost our grain prices. Both hard and soft wheat finishing higher. July Kansas City wheat up nine and a quarter, six fourteen and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up ten and a half, six forty and a quarter. September corn up four and three quarters, four fifty two a bushel. December corn up four at four thirty eight and a half. In the energy markets, higher prices. February natural gas up twelve cents, two seventy. February crude oil up two thirty three at forty nine ninety five a barrel. The financial market's higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 209 points, 30,432. The NASDAQ up 110 at 12,809. The S&P 500 up 28 at 3,729. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for being with us. Remember, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. Hope to see you then. I'm Kerry Martin. This is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.